Hello and welcome to another episode of Sailfaster. And today we are in the beautiful city of Charleston, South Carolina, and um, at the beautiful uh, Charleston Yacht Club. And uh, I'm here to talk to a women's racing team called the Pirate Princess Racing Team, which is quite well known. It's been around for a while. I really wanted to talk to them about the history of um, of the racing team, uh, what it takes to to manage often traveling campaigns, and then to really start talking about the opportunities and challenges when it comes to uh, women in sailing, women in racing sailing specifically. So I'm here with Sarah Shale Colarusso, Katie Yeager Monroe, and Katie Hughes Mallory. So thank you so much for taking the time. Great to great to see you. Thanks thank you. So uh, why don't we start out with a little bit of a potted history of uh, how you got into sailing. So to, uh, Sarah, do you want to, would you like to kick it off? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So I grew up sailing on Long Island Sound, um, junior sailing, didn't do high school sailing. We didn't have that. Went to college, sailed at Eckerd College, go Tritons, and came to Charleston after college um, because I sailed so much in Charleston and now I call Charleston home. I am Katie Monroe. And I grew up on the Gulf Coast, sailing from Houston to St. Pete. We did all the junior sailing. We also didn't have a high school team, which is interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. You didn't either? Real um, disadvantage going into college yeah. sailing without sailing in high school. Yeah, but um, we were used to going every weekend and being gone um, during the summer and um, traveling to the four corners of America to sail and some international stuff as well. I only briefly sailed at Auburn for one semester. It was not well supported um, at that school, but I had a good time that semester and we did really well. Uh, and then I've always loved Charleston. Uh, I was very close to coming to college of Charleston instead of Auburn, but I chose to stay in the state. And um, as soon as I got back to Charleston after college, immediately found my way into the sailing community here and have ever since been on the water. Mm, Katie. Yep. Um, I actually grew up sailing in Southern California, Balboa Yacht Club, uh, starting when I was seven. Uh, did have high school sailing, um, and that led me to come to Charleston. Uh, came to Charleston to sail at CFC and said I was never leaving. My husband, who sailed at the Naval Academy, made me leave for a few years, and I got to <laughs> sail in a bunch of different places, which was great. Um, but moved back to Charleston after a few years and call it home now and have been sailing here and all across the U.S. and down in the Caribbean and really just it's a complete passion. Mm. Sounds amazing. So I got to know you guys very briefly for about 30 seconds because (laughs) when you came to Annapolis for the women's regatta last year, you um, you used our our boat London Calling. And um, so that's how I got to know this team uh, in a few uh, over a few minutes at least i was really intrigued about the history of uh pirate princess racing because it's been around for quite a while right yeah yeah it's uh it's surprising to look back and <laughs> make us feel old about how long we've been racing together but uh yeah pirate princess racing started here in charleston uh way back in 2007, uh, there's a, a legendary uh, car and sailboat racer here, Robert Hibden, who found himself with an extra race boat, as you do. And <laughs> um, and uh, a few of us were sailing on his regular race boat team. And he said, hey, 
you know what would be neat? I think this is an exact quote. You know what would be neat is if you put together a full women's team and you guys did the summer series by yourselves out there on Rascal. Um, and we were young. You know, we were pretty much straight out of college, most of us. Um, and we had a heck of a summer just ripping around on a, on a race boat that we probably had no business racing, frankly. But <laughs> no we, did, we, did, <laughs> we did really well. And we had a lot of fun. And the community really came out and supported us. And that was the seed that got a lot of friendships going, um, a lot of relationships that we maintain now, you know, almost 20 years later. And um, was that was that a new thing to have a women, exclusively women crewed boat? Or big boats, I feel like. I mean, in college sailing, I feel like college sailing is dominated by women. I mean, it's, there's, because you have co-edited, you have women's teams, there's more women in college sailing than there is men. Um, and you graduate from college and you say, what's next? And you look at the big boats for the most part, and there's not a lot of women on them. I will say about the same time, cause I moved to Charleston in 2008. And so about the same time that y'all were doing your summer campaign here, we were approached. Um, I briefly lived in Fort Walton beach, Florida and I, my, I know it well, yeah. So we had a J92 that we were in Amelgus 24. The 92 was far easier than the 24 was to convince people to go Wednesday night sailing on. And we did a women's team that year. And they have three events down there that then the culmination of the summer is the race for the roses. Um, I completely forgot about all this until just now. Um, But it was super tight racing. And the women were super supportive of each other. And the men loved it because they got to ride around on the powerboat, drinking beer all day long, <laughs> watching these girls That's a sling dream, it out, it? right? Like they loved it. Um, so they were very supportive of getting all these women out on the water. And that's still an ongoing um, thing down in Pensacola. Tell us, tell us how the program has evolved over, over the years. Well, it started out really just as a, a Charleston sailing, you know, this summer series that we were sailing in and it evolved into what other women's regattas are out there. And so the team really started getting focused on back in the day, U.S. sailing used to have the Adams Cup, the women's championships. um, And then also they had the Rolex women's regattas. So we uh, first started with the Adams Cup and traveled to San Diego, to Oklahoma City, to North Carolina to to sail in those J one or not J one five to sail in the Adams Cup women's in a multitude of different boats. Um, some boats we liked, some boats we didn't. Um, but had a great time and met a lot of other women sailors in a lot of different areas of their life. And that was that was my favorite thing as far as getting to travel and go sailing, but also to meet other women that were older than us, that were younger than us, and and really had figured it out and how to continue sailing. Um, So our team then was campaigning towards the Rolex women's event that, what year was that? Was that 2009, 10, somewhere in there? And as we were campaigning for that event and really pushing kind of our branding for Pirate Princess Racing and fundraising and doing all of those things, 
the Rolex women's champ got pulled out from underneath us. Um, and there was really a downhill slide of women sailing, in my opinion. Um, after Rolex got canned, um, U.S. Sailing did away with the Adams Cup. And for us, for it to be a yearly event that we really enjoyed and really learned from and look forward to, it was really kind of sad that that happened. Well, um, just curious about why it happened. Was it that um, sponsors pulled out or moved on to other things or were there fewer women taking part? I think from, from some of the conversations I'd had, and I was big into J70 sailing at that point, and I'd had a few conversations with with certain people that were involved in U.S. sailing and those decision makers that were male and said, rightly so in some regards, that women can sail against men just as easily as we could sail against women. So why do we need our own women's events? Which I get. I mean, I, I get the basis of that. But the big takeaway that I always got from the Adams Cup events was, you know, how do you sail? It's easy to sail when you're straight out of college and you're not tied down to anything and you don't really have, you know, you've got your work responsibilities, but, but that's kind of it. Um, you know, how do you continue sailing when you have kids? How do you manage that when your husband also sails and who, you know, how do you, how do you balance that? Um, to even questions like, can you sail when you're pregnant? Um, yeah, you probably can't hike on a Belgis 24 when you're pregnant, but, Problem. <laughs> but, you know, Katie and I both sailed until we were 36, 38 weeks pregnant. <laughs> I Granted, we were before I had the baby. Yeah. I, I wanted to sail that, that, um, it, I can't remember what, femme fatale maybe. Yeah. I wanted to sail that day and they were like, uh, you're doing like two days. I was like, no, I need this baby to come out of me. <laughs> Let's go sailing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's those kind of experiences and learning from each other. You know, I was at that point, I was sailing in the J70 class and there were, you know, a hundred people in the class and maybe 15 women, which there's, they're right there is why we need women sailings events because, we don't get out as much as the guys do, whether, whether we have other responsibilities or whether we say, that's fine, you go sailing. Um, and so it was really sad that those events went away. Um, and it's really exciting to see that they're coming back. Mm. And that's where I feel like our focus has been with the team now is that how do we, how do we compete in all of these women's events? Um, how do we make time for it? How do we put it on our schedule and figure it out um, to why we started the Charleston J105 women's event? Because we wanted to be involved in it. We have our J105 fleet in Charleston is awesome. It's not as big as Annapolis, but it's great. Are we up to like eight Boats? Seven or eight, Seven or eight yeah. Boats now? Um, which for, for Charleston harbor. is great. Um, and you look at the J105 fleet in Charleston, and there's a lot of women in it. Our boat is mostly women, um, and a lot of the other boats have a lot of women. So why not? Why not take something that's working and expand on it? And so that's kind of where we are at this point. Is... And you have an, you have um, a women's regatta the week after Charleston Race Week. Yeah, right? the Saturday after Charleston Race Week. And you were telling me earlier that, hey, if anybody brings their boat down uh, for Charleston Race Week, Race Week and leaves it to make it available for women's regatta, the dockage is free. It's free, yeah. So we have room at Charleston Yacht Club um, right now for at least four J105s. 
And if we have more interest than that, uh, we've got definitely some contacts that are willing to help us out. So, you know, either come to Charleston Race Week and bring a women's team and stay for the regatta the next weekend or bring a women's team the next weekend. Um, but we've got lots or of... Or bring a partial women's team. We've yeah, got a we've lot of girls riding the bench here waiting right. to get on a team. Great yeah. message for those who are listening, my friends at the J105 Fleet in Annapolis and elsewhere. There's uh, That sounds like a great opportunity. Yep, yeah, I mean... To... We can start name dropping. Yeah. Call the people out. We expect to see you. Um, but racing in Charleston in April is awesome. I mean, you're you're not breaking ice um, and you're not freezing your butt off most of the time. Um, and if you are, it's because it's breeze on and it's it's fun racing. So the benefit of race week in the J105s now is they're inside and it's great racing. Okay. So you, this is... It's quite a, a, a quite highly organized thing that you're doing here. You're doing essentially traveling, sometimes taking boats, or uh, or are you are you nearly always on somebody else's boat? So you're looking to borrow. Nine, yeah, ninety nine percent of our events are we're either chartering a boat or we're going to events where boats are provided, um, and that's that latter part, that boats provided part, is also a key and critical part of. What I think is um, part, of the, part of the special sauce of what makes a great women's championship or women's regatta is providing boats. Um, very few women own their own boats. So you take that factor and multiply that by the women that are in a certain class and multiply or divide that by the women who are willing to travel those boats and you get to a pretty slim number. Yeah. So um, pretty, you know, pretty important for us as a sailing to community to continue to consider how can we make boats available for, for women's events. So yeah, we're chartering or we're using fleet boats, um, you know, as part of the event. What's the key to building a successful campaign? Um, I'll take a crack first. Yeah. Uh, I think for a, a long-term campaign, reputation is really important. I think the most important thing is people. And the only way to get great people is to have a good reputation in the sailing community. Um, you don't want people to not want to sail with you or have reservations about that. So, you know, be polite, have a good attitude, treat your team well, make sure you're organized, have good equipment, you know, like be respectful of the boats that you're borrowing. Um, I think from my perspective, um, Sarah's done an amazing job of kind of keeping the balls rolling when it comes to organizing events and going places. She said to me, I want you to come with us to um, Newport for this VX1 event. And I was like, okay, let me see. A, check schedule. B, check with husband and kid. Okay, once those are two done, then she goes, don't worry about anything. I'll do all the legwork if you just can come and get the rental car or whatever it was, right? Like, so she took care of a lot of the legwork because I have, we all have very busy jobs and labs. But she knew if I had to do any more work than just showing up and getting the rental car, that it was going to make it even harder for me to go. So you kind of have a team that balances each other out. You know, I mean, it's just like any boat. You have somebody that's the snack-tician, somebody that organizes the t shirt somebody that organizes the cooler, um, somebody that 
ultimately pays for the registration fee and makes sure that everyone's on the scratch list, right? Like somebody that's checking life jackets, it's all a team thing. And if you show up and do your part, then you're always going to be part of that team. And I think we've got a really good like group of girls that we can draw from slap a pirate princess shirt on. And, and, you know, like if I didn't, I didn't go to the Annapolis event with them because I had just been in Newport, but I know that they sent a great team up there. They're not going to act like a bunch of bitches (laughs) and they're going to represent the team and our, our area. Well, and that's what you want. You want, you want people to want the pirate princess team to show back up and a, have a good time, be great competition and increase the number of boats on the line. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's, it's, it's about, it's about the team and the team members and playing to everybody's strengths and weaknesses. You know, I think it, we're all in different, similar stages of life, but different stages of life. And we all have to know, okay, well, this regatta, I'm going to own more things because I know somebody else is really stressed out at work, or I know that this person's really limited on their time off. And so we're going to make it as easy and quick for them to get in and out. And, you know, sometimes sometimes it's one person spending more time on something than somebody else, but just having one person and Sarah has been this person, I feel like, especially since we've had kids and having toddlers is a crazy world. Um, But Sarah has been so great at just saying like, Hey, I got this. Like I need you to show up and I need you to do these things. And we do the things that we need to do and we show up and it it's amazing. And it's so nice to get away and go racing and be back into like, our old selves. And I will say this too, like I came into the Pirate Princess team a little bit later. I think the first event I did was the Sarah event. Yeah. So what, Which you four won. Four or five years ago. But <laughs> I, yeah, we, we won, won it. We won. <laughs> but I felt so privileged to be asked to come, hey, will you drive our team this weekend? I'm like, yeah, I can't make any guarantees, but let's go. Let's do it. Like we went out and what practice one afternoon maybe or maybe we went out 30 minutes beforehand got where everybody's butt needed to go and feet needed to be and we went out there and and we won our event it was awesome but you know like to to want to be on a team like that is kind of the foundation of what they've built with this this team for so long right like it's a privilege so so what have you learned about yourselves that have made you better sailors recently uh, I have really let go of driving in the past few years. I knew that I didn't love driving uh, at the home. I mean, like, I also hate driving a car. But, so, um, <laughs> I knew what you meant. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it took me a long time in my sailing career to recognize that I don't like it that much. And I'm not, by extension, not that great at it. And just stopping forcing myself to do it. You can be a leader of a team without having the tiller in your hand or without having the wheel in your hand. And I like allowed myself to learn that. And it's really changed my like perspective and love for the sport because driving stresses the heck out of me. So the flip for me is um, I've actually had to embrace driving because this one has put me on the tiller so many times and I'm like, uh, it's been a long time. Cause I, I was a crew. I was always 
you know, crew on a 420. I was um, spinnaker on all the boats. I was bow on a, a Melgus 24. I, you know, like I was a little person, so they always threw me forward. So then she's like, can you drive for us? Uh, sure. And so I've had to embrace being at the back of the boat. And now I love it. We call it fantasy land, <laughs> fantasy land <laughs> on our J105. And, um, and, you know, to, to kind of go back to what Katie was saying about being a pregnant woman in this sport, you're not on the bow of any boat after a certain point in time. And so being in the, the stern and on, on the tiller or on the wheel allows you to sail up until the team's like, eh, no, we don't feel like delivering a baby on, on board. Um, so for me, like embracing being a skipper um, has been a little bit challenging because I love being in the middle of the boat. I like being able to see everything. I feel like I can call tactics better that way. Because when I'm driving, I'm just focusing on making the boat go as fast as I can, trusting my teammates and crew members and telling me like, hey, we got to go left. No, 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 I really like it on the right. No, you got to go left. Okay. Like that's where we all kind of gelled together. But yeah, I think like you like <laughs> letting go of driving. I had to embrace it. Sarah, why did you find it frustrating? I listened to, I really resonated with actually something you said on one of your previous episodes where you were talking about uh, what is the geometry of sailing and how as you're getting into the sport, you're like struggling with it maybe is a strong term. No, no, struggling. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? Maybe that's my problem with driving all of these years. But it feels like such a, huge responsibility to me and I don't know why I can put anyone of all of these incredible women that I sail with behind the helm and feel like no pressure we could come in dead last and I would be completely not upset yeah with my driver but if I'm driving and we don't perform well I just I can't handle it well, and even when we were in Newport and I, I got frustrated a couple of times and you're like, nope, that's it. It's okay. We're, we're next race. And it's, it is, there's a ton of response. You feel a ton of responsibility as a skipper because you want to do well and you want your team that's working so hard to, you know, entrust that you can get them to the top. And, um, it is, it's, and then, you know, there's the nerves and stuff that come with starting, uh, you know, finding the hole a, a and big boat. picking the right side and, you know, pin start, <laughs> the fleet, but whatever it may be. But, um, you know, if you, if you've got a great crew on board, then it makes it a little bit easier. Jason Curry of quantum sales. I was talking to him on the podcast uh, a week ago and, um, he was saying that, uh, on the sort of the best bets he's on the driver, it's only at the end. The driver says, what happened? How do we do? Yeah. yeah. Because they've been focusing <laughs> yeah. on telltales, getting the boat speed right. up to target right. and so on. So interesting. Okay. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Anybody else? So what about the, the Katie's? What, what have you learned about yourself that made you uh, a better sailor? You know, I think just being able to self-reflect. Um, I sailed, I drove at Charleston Race Week in 2021, and I was very newly pregnant. Um, the team didn't know, our tactician knew, but the team didn't know, but most of them figured it out by the end of the regatta. Um, that you were pregnant. Yes, that I was pregnant. Um, but I really figured out that I need to 
can't my I need to take deeper breaths when I'm driving. Um, you look you down know? and you're white knuckled on yes. the wheel and you're like, this is not fun. <laughs> uh, and, you know, just, just looking outside of me, I am a big proponent, whether it's good or bad. And when I'm doing high end racing, I'm not, I'm not drinking, but when I'm driving, I just need a little bit of a pre-race beer just to calm me down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the running joke is that we, we did, I, in my opinion, we did well at that race week, but not as well as I'd hoped. And the joke was that I didn't get to have my pre-race beers, yeah. um, beer, beer. Um, but it, you know, it's just a matter of figuring out what it takes to get you comfortable in the position. Um, I, and it's usually Kater, Katie or I, or one of our other crew members driving. Um, but so we get to trade off and we get to learn from each other and, and really see, how somebody else does it. Um, and it's been really fun to, to challenge myself. And for me, it's a matter of making sure that my head is in the boat enough, but not too much because I've had a lot of experience in a lot of different positions that sometimes as a driver, I get too focused on, on somebody not focusing on their position enough, Mm -hmm. but then I have to say, wait, that means I'm not focusing on my position enough. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's, you know, something that I'm working on. It's not something that's been resolved, but I think I have the biggest challenge when I'm driving with that scenario, when I'm in my position as a spin trimmer or um, as a pit or a jib trimmer or main trimmer, mostly I'm able to focus on myself a little bit better. So I just know that when I'm driving, I need to focus on the boat and less on the crew because we have great crew that know what they're doing. Well, it was one event that I drove and you were, we decided that I was better at upwind driving. You were better at downwind driving. And we just need to figure out how to make it cohesive. Or just co-drive. And we look so similar on the water that we can just (laughs) flip-flop. Well, yeah, I mean, it was at the J105 event last year. I was driving, you were trimming Maine, and at one point there was just a cluster on the bow. Mm. And you went up and tried to fix it, and then at one point it was like, Katie, can you take the wheel and I'll go fix it? It was was unfortunately a cluster that cost us a point, and we got second. We were tied for first and ended up second because of it, but we learned from it, and next year we are going to make up Cluster-free. Yes. It is, it is one of the hardest things as a driver, isn't it? and also a driver and an owner as well, yeah. where you know something's going wrong, but you, you also know there's enough people around there who are much yep. more competent than me. They don't need me to shout anything, go up there. And you've got to have that sort of tunnel vision, almost just like ignore that, just, you know, just the yeah. marks coming up, let's yeah. get ready for that. Yeah. Boats to the left, boats to the right, what are you doing? But it's, it's very, very hard. It's almost yeah. inhumanly impossible to... Uh, uh, to to maintain that focus. Yeah, and that was the coolest thing about our event last year is we we only had J- five J105s, but thirty five women. We had seven women on each boat, um, and the racing was really tight. Yeah, I mean it was everybody was you know there were no horizon jobs. There were it was no, almost like if you, the one mistake you make, right? Yeah, like, we that's made the one position mistake. that you lose. So yeah, you make one mistake in a race, and that I mean that's like impossible to do yeah really i mean you're talking about super clean racing from everyone 
on borrowed boats, on borrowed and boats. with not a normal crew. The women's regatta in Annapolis, apart from being very well attended, I think yes. 15 boats was incredible. It, Molly was saying at, uh, uh, at our fleet meeting yesterday how much national coverage it got. Yes. And how much comment there was about how tight and competitive the racing was. So, yeah. Uh, Spectacular. And, and as far as, you know, as far as visibility and, and people wanting to be involved, we were able through one of the local distributors last year to get Mount Gay as a sponsor. And this year, Mount Gay Corporate is a full sponsor of the Charleston Yacht Club J105 event. Fabulous. So we're yeah. getting packs. Yeah. We're going to have a great party. Um, but they're they're fully committed to supporting women sailing, which is awesome. Would you... If you had your way, would you sail exclusively with all women or in all female regattas if you if you had the option? Yeah. <laughs> really? I think so because I mean, so the camaraderie that comes with these events and you know the shoreside support is super important too. And so for us to all be able to go as women to a weekend event means that someone has to be home taking care of home. And it's easier, like she, Katie and Paul both sail. Um, so it's easier to go to an all women's event because your husband can stay home with the kids and your husband can stay home with the dogs or whatever it may be. But I just feel like, um, and I was kind of thinking about this, like when we all go out for girls night, yeah, how relaxed we all are, how open we all are, how much fun we all have, just the girls. And I think that's, it's probably always, that's why there are all these different girl groups that have girls night, right? Like you get to go out and just be what you were before all the other responsibilities of life. Um, and it's, I mean, in my experience, all the different women events that I've done and all the co-ed events I've done, the women events always stand out to me as the most fun. And I don't I can't really put a finger on why, but it just, it seems like, we're all there for the same reasons. We all want to compete and do well, but we all want to also create community and relationships that will go on for lifetimes. And, um, you know, and you get the great opportunity of raising a daughter that will hopefully have all of these same opportunities. Um, and I get to raise a a little boy. That's going to be a great shore side crew one day too, (laughs) (laughs) and set courses and and do all the things that help support the the women future. But yeah, I mean, that, that's me. Uh, I I mean, I I love men and I love sailing against them too, but I just feel like the events are, they're different. You're right. I mean, I I was going to say like hard, hard. No, I, I, but if I think about, reflect back on my sailing career as an adult and what are the most fun and memorable, memorable regattas for me. They have been the women's events. Um, you know, that said, I learned an incredible amount from the men that I sail with. Yeah. And it just, I mean, I've learned year over year from just incredibly talented guys that I get to be in orbit with. And I'm like thankful for that. Um, so I do wonder, you know, I'd be missing that, but at the same time, I mean, you're right. Those have been my best memories of sailing. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I mean, I would agree. I think, I think a balance of the women's events and the co-ed events, um, you know, Sarah and I have raced down in the Caribbean with our husbands on the boat as well. 
Um, and it's great. And, and I love sailing with my husband, Katie and I learned at QS race week on the J 70 that I can't sit next to my husband when we're racing. Um, <laughs> that doesn't other. work yeah. that, that they're a little too close. Um, but you know, we, we sail on a, um, a Benito 47, seven down at, we've sailed Heineken three times. Um, and it's it's a great boat and we have a lot of time a lot of a lot of good times down there we're spaced out very well mm-hmm. um and those are really fun regattas too but i will say we went down last year when my daughter was one um brought the grandparents along to babysit and that regatta just it hit differently you know it's a lot harder to to go to an epic regatta like that and then have to come home and be mom and yeah. dad at the end of the day <laughs> Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's a balance in between it of, you know, local regattas where my husband and I can both sail, um, the women's travel regattas and travel regattas where hopefully the grandparents stay home with, with the kids. Yeah. yeah I think it, it, these events too, like we plan for them, right? So it's our time to go do what we love to do and, and, you know, kind of get back to putting our feet in the water and, and letting loose and having a good time. And, and it's, they're just, they're just, they're different. I think if you ask any, any other female teams, they'll probably say the same thing. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, I want to hear about the challenges of stepping onto a mixed boat as a, perhaps as a female for the first time, what that feels like. And then let's also talk about how to grow um, uh, the sport for women, because you talked about um, the large numbers of, of women college sailors, how to keep them in the sport, how to go about sport for them. So we'll be back in in a sec. So one thing we were talking about earlier was the uh, what it feels like and the experience of stepping onto a mixed team for the first time. We talked about you know sailing in all female crews, but um... I, I think it really depends on the level of sailing expertise of the men on board. And I I don't want this to come across too sharp, but I will say that in my experience, stepping onto a mixed crew that has uh, primarily uh, men who came up sailing in college, have spent a lot of time one design racing, are professionals for the most part, love sailing with those guys, have never had an issue. Um, You know, as a female, you get pretty, you know, quickly recognized if you know what you're doing, then you're part of the team. And there's no issues and every everybody's chill. Um, I actually find that, you know, the bigger challenge is sailing with um, men who are maybe on a learning curve still and potentially um, overconfident about their own skills or maybe don't really have a a good perspective or a full perspective or a good worldview on sailing. Um, Those those can be a little bit of a tougher situation only in that, you know, they they don't know. They haven't been in that college sailing 
experience that that so many of us shared where we really are sailing as equals um and if and if you know somebody hasn't experienced that and you and you walk on board as as a woman it can be you can have a little bit of a hurdle to get through yeah you know i feel like whenever i step on a boat if i've never sailed with the team before i kind of hang back and you know if i'm if i'm told to be primary okay so i'll be primary and do it to the best of my abilities and then they'll see that you know hopefully i know what i'm doing and um and then you kind of kind of weave your way into the team um i have a hard issue with getting on a boat and either being yelled at immediately or demanded to do it differently than the way that I've known how to do it. I mean, everyone has their own way of doing things, but like, if you're going to tell me to do it differently, it's the wrong way of doing it. Like, no. So to me, like safety is a big deal. If I don't trust the guy that's driving or whoever that's driving, then I'm not getting on the boat and I won't do it again. Maybe when I was younger, I would get on the boat and really kind of make my mark known. But now I kind of get on and see how the team, especially if I'm new to this team, like see kind of how they gel who really stands out as alpha kind of see where I slide into things and, you know, I'll, I'll make suggestions here and there. And if they're taking great, if they're not, then they'll listen next time. I, I would agree. I mean, I definitely tend to hang back. Um, when my husband was in the Navy, we lived in Kittery, Maine, which surprisingly has an awesome J 24 fleet. Um, and you know, hopped on a few boats there and immediately kind of got picked up and, and I'm, I'm very humble and I kind of don't like to give a lot of information right away and want to see how the team does and say, you know, I, I will throw things in there like, Hey, have you tried it this way? Or have you ever, have you, I, I don't know if this would work perfectly, but you know, I've been on a boat where we did it this way versus telling people what to do, mm-hmm. like forming it as a question and, you know, let's all learn from it and go from it. Um, and it's really fun that way. Um, you know, I think well, building, building a relationship. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 asking a question empowers people versus telling them what to do, which belittles them. Right? Yeah. Like it's, it's be kind, be humble mm-hmm. and embrace the talent that you have on board. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's really, you know, it's really about being willing to gel with a team, um, if you want to stick it out. And I agree with Katie, if, if somebody starts yelling or if there's dangerous situations, I'm, I'm never getting back on that boat. Um, -hmm. um, you know, I think it, I think fun is the most important winning is kind of right behind it. Um, but safety is there too. And if, if you're not if you're not having fun and you're not being safe, then I don't really want to be a part of it. Mike Beasley, who was on a, a previous uh, Sailfaster podcast, he talked about he's been on top boats with um, you know some of the top New Zealand sailors, and um, he talked about their uh, their emphasis was exactly on that on having fun. If you're a happy boat and people are having fun, that's going to help you uh, help you win. Which I was. I was sort of quite surprised to hear because you imagine the top boat is deadly serious and, you know, there's a lot of sort of shouting there, but not, uh, yeah, absolutely not the case at all. Well, because sailing's a head game, right? Yeah. 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 Not even just for the driver, but 100% for the driver. I mean, if you break your brain, you're 
you're game over as, as a driver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's why I can't do it. You're, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. If you can get Katie laughing on yeah. the deal or the tiller, she's going to do better. In a pre-race beer. Yeah. And a pre-race beer yeah. or half, whatever. whatever. Yeah, whatever you're doing. So but, let, yeah. I want to talk about that because there's obviously, you you found a winning formula, right, of, of being able to relax. I mean, I know you... You, you said that it's somewhat in jest. You need a beer before the race, but I but I get I get that. Now we're talking about uh, UKT uh, laughing on the wheel. What's yeah. what's that about? I, I think um, like I, I think back to the Coed Sierra event where mm-hmm. we poured tag the fleet and <laughs> <laughs> conditions were not great, but we poured tag the fleet and we were so far ahead that it was laughable. And we giggled the entire time. Full and then race. we go, we, the whole race. And then we go, to, we go to around the last lured mark. And I just dropped the tiller and ran forward to untangle something. And she's on the floor rolling around the back of the J22. Like, what is <laughs> happening back here? Like, this, this is, is a championship South Atlantic <laughs> championship. And we're just and nobody's holding laughing. the tiller. And nobody's holding the tiller. And yet we still, like, won that race by so far. But we were having so much fun. Same thing with the Sarah event that we did. That was all women's. Like we just had such a good time. We giggled about it. And now there are th- there are definitely moments where I'm like, nobody talk. I need to make the vote go fast. And as soon as I look up and like we're doing better again or whatever it may, may be, somebody will say some one liner, and the boat erupts in laughter. And like Katie Kate Weller almost oh fell off the boat goodness. one time. And you know I'm like. I'm dying laughing, but we're, you know, we're schlepping her back in. Whatever sorry, sorry, it is. There's a like, third Katie on the Oh, there's, oh, there's, there's, there's yeah, yeah, there, there have been there more. Lots more. Lots more. But, you know, I think if, if you're not having any fun, what's the point? So if you've won the race but lost the respect of your teammates, then you haven't won at all. And I, I just think if we're if we're out here to have a good time, we're – Listen, we're not getting sponsorship. We're not going to be on boats that we need to wear helmets on. I'm too old for that. (laughs) We're into champagne conditions these days. Like This is for us a a lifetime sport that we want to go out and enjoy the people that we're with and the places that we are. And, you know, if if you at the end of the day, you get off the water and you don't want to see anybody you sailed with that day. That's not a good day. It's just not. So I think it's so important to have fun, celebrate each other. And, and you know what, if we lose every race and I've laughed so hard that my cheeks and my stomach hurt, that's what it's about. Hey, Sarah, one thing you talked about that was really important to you was the, the mission behind Pirate Princess Racing. Do you want to talk about that? The driving vision behind Pirate Princess Racing is to keep top-level performance sailing opportunities available to women Mm -hmm. as they mature past college, into career life, into family life, and beyond. And was that because you you talked earlier about there's a ton of women in college and their participation sounded like it, it falls off. Was that a spur to why you set this up? That's certainly what it feels like. Looking around, you know, you see a ton of girls in opties and you see a ton of girls in lasers and we're, we see a ton of women in college sailing. And then you look around yourself on a Wednesday night or out on, you know, whatever keel boat you're racing and where, where are they? What happened? I think regularly about how many all American women sailors are not sailing. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. Come back. 
<laughs> I think a lot, well, and this probably happened to me too. So I, I didn't really sail all through college. Um, and then I would dabble in it here and there. Um, and then when I moved here, I shortly after went into career mode. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'll get on the water whenever I can. But sailing is a lifetime sport. It's not like tennis or, um, you know, golf. Well, golf's kind of a lifetime sport too, but it's not something that you can't go back to. So I think that there is this like pause in women between the ages of, I don't know, 25 to 35 maybe, where they've stopped and they've gone into careers and family life and what, whatever it may be. And they take on all these different responsibilities. Um, and then they get back into it. Um, so to keep them, keep the momentum going after college, like I, I, I don't really know or not sure that I have an answer as to how to keep them competitive. I think providing the opportunities, I think you that's know, a providing- huge part of it providing women's regattas for people to specifically say, Hey, I don't get that much time off in this new job, this new career that I'm building or as a new mom. And I'm going to dedicate, you know, a weekend or two weekends Mm -hmm. to the year to this women's sailing event that I'm going to call a friend that I haven't sailed with in a long time that I love sailing with and say, Hey, haven't seen you on the water in a while. I know there's a lot going on in your life, but come sailing with us this weekend. Yeah, um, I mean, it's come it, compete. It, it, the opportunities need to be there for sure. And, you know, I think grassroots stuff is is easy too. Yeah, get I mean, these people back out there on the water. Sarah's plan to get and, and what she's done with getting a whole spreadsheet of all of these different women's events and saying, hey, let's Charleston's great sailing and there's a ton of women here and a ton of great women sailors why don't we just try and make sure that there's women from Charleston at all of these women's events? Mm -hmm. Let's all apply. Let's all try. And if we've got a lot of Charleston women, that's great, but let's make sure that we're there and we're visible and getting the people that aren't out as much back into sailing. So my advice for somebody that's trying to get back into it, that has a career, that has a busy life, that may be juggling family, is to dedicate time just like you dedicate time for anything else. Um, I was literally just thinking that I need to look at the calendar, go ahead and put the dates for the events that we want to do so that I know, hey, I need this much time off of work surrounding this event to get there successfully. Um, And I think if you can just... dedicate and it's not obviously it can't be every day but if you dedicate a day a month or a weekend a month and in the summertime when it's more feasible to be on the water you know you dedicate maybe two weekends a month to kind of get back in it and the other flip side that we haven't even really talked about is how many women volunteer as shoreside support and volunteer to be race committee. And if you're unsure about getting back in and on a racing boat right away, dedicate some time to race committee, be a scorekeeper, you know, go get on a, a mark set boat and, and reteach your brain how to be on the water for several hours again. Um, because there's so many opportunities, right? Yeah. Like we are always begging for volunteers to go run these events. Um, and there are oftentimes a lot of women on race committee too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think another big thing that 
you and I've struggled with is just, you know, how do you, how do you carve out that time? And the biggest thing is you need the support, whether it's from your spouse or your friends or your family or whatever it is. And, and kind of one of the things that we've learned and leaned on is that, you know, we have the ability, luckily our kids are very close in age. And so we can stick them together with a nanny or, you know, there's opportunities for us and, and, the ability to say, Hey, I'm going to hang back this week. Why don't I watch the kids and you go, it doesn't have to be it. You know, it doesn't have to be the spouse. It doesn't have to be the grandparents and you don't have to pay somebody to do it. There's enough of us. Mm -hmm. We're, we're really lucky that we've got some great sailing friends that now have kids that are old enough to watch our kids. Um, and that's been a great asset. So it's just a matter of, of kind of navigating that timeframe until, you can bring the kids along. And yeah. I mean, on RJ 105, we, this is for the summer series, not for race week, not for, not for big racing and not for big breeze days. But, <laughs> you know, Claire started sailing with us when she was a few five. weeks before she was five. Yeah. It was like two or three weeks before she was five. She's now sailed with us for the past three summers. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went from, you know, us having to carry her across the boat, um, to fetching beers and yeah. now she squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's great. You know, it's nice to not have to go down below on a J one Oh five and it's a million degrees <laughs> yeah. out in summer. She opens them too, man. I'm yeah. Like... Yeah. She's really good at the beer game <laughs> on those Wednesday night races. Outside of just the sharing of responsibilities, which, uh, as a not, as not a mom, I watch you guys, handle so gracefully and I am always impressed by our like wider sailing community to like step up and help out with you know like sharing the load to to get you guys out on the water but mm-hmm. outside of that I would tell women don't sell yourself short physically I think a lot of women between the age of 30 and 40 in general are in better physical condition than their male counterparts and just showing up sober, not hungover (laughs) and able to move your body in a athletic manner is actually going to get you pretty far. Yeah. Well, and I think we've talked about it a lot before that we may not be as strong as a male that's our same size or our same weight or whatever it is, but women have this innate ability to use our bodies differently. You know, I trim Maine on a J105. I'm not a big buff guy, which I theoretically should be, but I use my entire body weight to pull that mane in. I'm not just using my arms and there's different ways about doing it. You know, if it's, if it's breeze on and, I need to, you know, use the winch and winch handle. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be somebody that's afraid to, to change the way that I do something to, to make it work. I'm going to figure it out. I think women are innately adaptable too, right? Yeah. Like, and we, we endure a lot of things. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm interested in your opinion on what you think the sailing organizations, sailing clubs, yacht clubs and so on need to do to promote women in the sport? I think it's about access to boats, really. I've I've done a lot of thinking about this. I think that if we 
can get more clubs with club boats. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about my experience at New York Yacht Club, my recent experience at Neroten Yacht Club, clubs that have nice fleets of club boats. That's very, that makes it very accessible for women to go step aboard, get behind the helm, do any position on that boat and not feel like they have to conform or be in a certain spot on the boat because that's somebody else, some other guy's spot and he's always been doing that. So I think it has to do with access to boats. And and typically that means, like you know, yacht clubs having a club fleet. And to be I able to think that. what partners with access to boats is being able to be a member at these clubs Ooh. that have <laughs> fleets of boats that they can access, right? Yep, that's right. Like membership membership and whether or not it's a full membership or if it's just access to the fleet and however it needs to be done but it's an intimidating sport to get into when it's largely dominated by yacht clubs that don't accept women as members and are that's, there that's, clubs that don't accept there are women two as members out of four in Charleston you're within a Stones throw of yeah. wow! This is twenty twenty four. Thank That's you. Right. Yeah, the can of worms has been opened. <laughs> Everybody knows now. Wow! Yeah, it's a it's an interesting dynamic, and and Sarah and I have had a lot of conversations about that. You know, hosting women's events. She's been running the Sarah Women's Championships, and you know, to me. I belong to Charleston Yacht Club and I'm a member at Charleston Yacht Club because I can be a member mm-hmm. at Charleston Yacht Club. And you know what? I don't want to sail for a club that doesn't want me as a member. Right. Um, and it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. It's especially interesting, you know, just being in the South and it being different coming from California. It was completely eye opening. Um, and was a it's a different world out here, but we are really lucky to have some clubs that really support us, mm-hmm. and I think our sailing organization really supports us. Absolutely, it's it is about access, you know. We're I mean, barriers. and if we're trying to breed great sailors, not everybody's gonna be the best sailor. So you've got to get a lot of people in the pool to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, who's gonna be your Olympian and that's explains a lot of what's going on here and to push on that a little bit further it's a white male dominated sport precisely and huge sections of society that are uh, that could be world-class sailors that are not who knows they're out there playing golf or playing tennis or who knows what sports they're doing but it's too hard to get into sailing it's confusing to get into sailing, why would you, unless you want to sail, you know, hang out with a bunch of white, middle-aged white guys? <laughs> Let's go back to, to the that? best events. Yes. <laughs> exactly. back. You know, back. And, it, and it goes back to the reason why we like doing these events where we travel and we're on borrowed boats. To me, I'm competing not about somebody that knows all the tweaks of a boat. Yep. I'm competing against another sailor on a boat that's not ours, that we don't know how to perfectly tune. And it goes back to that college sailing where you just get on the boat and you go sailing and you sail with what you're dealt with. 
you know, you're selling with these borrowed sales that may or may not be the best, but it's about the teamwork and the tactics and the ability of the team and not the ability of the team to know how tweaky their boat is. Or how deep your pockets are. Yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> we want an event without a batten. Yeah. 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 We, we, we want an event without a batten in our main sail on a borrowed boat. And yeah. no problem. I mean, we look cool. like drawn rats at the end of the day. Why? But we had a damn good time. <laughs> it's, it's true sailing not and competing not engineering and how deep your pockets are as you said i mean it it that's the biggest barrier to entry for sailing and barrier to success is you know i don't have every single weekend anymore to dedicate to sailing and so i don't have every single weekend to go out and track every tune every you know change that i make on a boat i just want to go sailing Mm -hmm. And I want to go sailing and I want to compete and I want to be competitive. And have a good time. Yeah. What are your goals for Pirate Princess Racing this year? 2023 was a big year of uh, trying new events. So Pirate Princess Racing did a match race qualifier this year. We've never done match racing before. That was a humbling educational experience <laughs> for us. Uh, so we we did we did a lot of new things. Um you know, tried a lot of new regattas, kind of like stirred a lot of pots, start a little, start a lot of little fires and, and try to do more events that, um, we can get maybe one or two boats, um, at versus just one. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Send Pyre Princess yeah. one, Pyre Princess two. Oh, you tough. Yeah. Look out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we have plenty yeah. of, of girls that are pirate princesses out there that, you know, the VX1 event, we easily could put two boats together. Yeah. I really think we probably could, maybe even three, um, especially if we start pulling people off of retirement mm-hmm. benches. <laughs> off the bench. Well, sounds like you have a fantastic year ahead of you, 2024. Good luck. Thank you so much for spending time with me, Katie, Katie, and Sarah. Really super learning about Pirate Princess Racing and just also some great insights into uh, being uh, women sailors. So thanks very much for your time and hospitality. Thank you. Thank you. This was awesome. Yeah.